You've got mail. This is Andy and John Talk Telecom with Andy Netzel and John Rewe. All right, we're back here, and our, our next guest is uh, Mr. David Fellows. Um, thank you for uh, for joining us. Um, some of the, uh, just to, as a quick introduction, you have your own Wikipedia page. So just some of the, uh, the ways yep. that you're described on here, you're an American engineer, entrepreneur, and scientist. Um, you were the co-founder and CTO of Layer 3 TV, uh, and you previously you were the, the CTO, the chief tech officer for both Comcast and uh, AT&T Broadband, so... Right. You know, extensive um, experience in the telecom world, uh, and, and we're thrilled that uh, you're taking a few minutes to talk to us. We, we appreciate it. No, it's my pleasure to be here and uh, and talk with you, chat a little bit about the SCTE and uh, my background and their background and, and then the future. You know, I, I don't like looking back. <laughs> I always try to look forward, but uh, there certainly is a, a path that led us all here right now. It's really fun to come to these events, and of course, you're a cable TV pioneer, and um, to you know see the representation of the people that built cable TV from the ground up, and all the you know cool technologies, and what were so innovative at at the time, and just to see how rapidly things have gone to where we are today. I mean, what started you on? that journey, how did you get involved with cable TV to begin with? Well, right out of uh, graduate school, I went to work for GTE Laboratories, General Telephone and Electronics, and uh, that was now uh, 45 Nobody's counting. uh, Years ago. (laughs) And and I went into the research lab. By sheer luck, I sent my resume to GTE Sylvania, and so I could have had my career taking 19 cents out of the cost of a TV set, and instead the person I sent it to was transferring to the research lab, took it with me. They loved me there, and I loved them. And we worked on these really weird thing called fiber optics 45 years ago, and you, you, you won't believe this, but... If you shine some light in one end of a piece of glass, it can come out the other end, you know, hundreds of miles away. Incredible. And my expertise was in digital signal processing, so changing the analog world into ones and zeros. And, of course, fiber loves being turned, you know, light loves being turned on and off. (laughs) And and so my expertise combined with the transmission um, led us to introduce the first you know, at the time, the first systems that carried live telephone traffic, the first systems that carried uh, higher bit rate <laughs> telephone traffic. And then one day, I was, um, I was addressing uh, actually an international conference in Canada, and I had a friend there who was very wealthy but managed very, very wealthy people's money. And I visited him, and he said, look, I just visited a factory, it turns out I own, and we make set-top boxes. And so at the end of a piece of coax, we've got this computer, this microprocessor inside of this box. I said, wait a minute, cable systems have a microprocessor at the end? You know, we Um, telephone guys have, and at the time it was analog telephone, it's a coil dipped in Vaseline to make it waterproof. We've got a coil dipped in Vaseline and you've got a microprocessor? I've got to look into this industry. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
a couple of jobs later within GTE, I had the chance to go to uh, Scientific Atlanta. And um, quickly, maybe over the course of two years, became president of their transmission systems business division. And I brought fiber optics into the cable world. I brought digital signal processing techniques into the digital world. And, uh, and I bought, brought telephony. My name's on one of the patents of putting telephone signals on coaxial cable plant. Um, and so that's the path that led me into cable. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm viewed as a visionary, but for some, from another perspective, I've been stuck in a time warp since I first entered the research lab doing digital signal processing. And, of course, the bit rates have gone from, you know, 4 kilohertz uh, and uh, 64 kilobits per second mm -hmm. up to now 100 gigabits per second for deployable, for deployable systems. And, and so, you know, there's been some change, but it's basically digital things on fiber and on coax. Yeah, so it is kind of a time warp because you were obviously fiber is the the future and is today, and you were working on it when it wasn't even thought of as what is you know the next step. So when did fiber get begin to get deployed into either um, telco or cable TV networks at any scale uh, for backbone or whatever? Well, let's see. And for from a research or an experimental perspective. Uh, it was the late 70s, mm -hmm. so 78, 79. Um, we, GTE, and that other company, AT&T, kept sort of leapfrogging each other, uh -huh. and we'd put telephone signals on. They'd put telephone signals and picture, let's see, PMN, picture phone meeting service signals. <laughs> so they had their version of the full-service network, uh, and then we had to go at a higher bit rate and, and back and forth. We were also doing uh, video conferencing, but over satellite dishes that were 40 feet in diameter. Oh, wow. And GTE Labs and AT&T Bell Labs were the only two that could afford this dish, so we would video conference with each other. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, so that was experiments in the 70s. Then it began coming into the uh, 80s. Remember, at that time, telephone switches were analog. Sure. You know, connect a, a piece of crossbar switch would connect physical wires together to, to connect a phone call. Well, they had digital carrier. They began to have digital telephony. But they had digital control first. Then the actual switching matrix became reading ones and zeros into memory and then pulling them out again. And at that point, the prove-in distance, it was called, became zero. So if you had a digital switch, you automatically went with digital uh, uh, transmission systems. And so that was in the 80s. And then 90s, we got up to 600 megabits per second uh, in the telephone world. And then that's when I came over to cable. And it turned out, as you went higher and higher in bit rate, so 600 megabits per second, you're heading for one gigabit per second. The lasers that you use have to be analog. They have to be, you know, very linear in their, in their response. And so, um, again, in the early 90s, armed with a pile of Scientific Atlanta annual reports, 
<laughs> I flew to Japan to try to convince the Japanese to select their best lasers and sell them to us that we would then use in analog systems. Did that, and then, uh, then a breakthrough for which a bunch of us were just awarded an Emmy uh, was if you pre-distort the signal so that it is the opposite of the distortion of a mediocre laser, suddenly it becomes a perfect laser when you add the two together. So now you can have cheap lasers, pre-distortion, analog signals, and uh, you know, and that, that, that rest is history now. It's, it's just fiber everywhere. And, and fiber had a, an odd effect. Uh, I, I likened it at the time to Europe, where you could break up a system into little small pockets. So fiber allowed every single neighborhood, in theory, to have different channel lineup. Now, in the mm-hmm. TV world, that doesn't make much sense. But in the data world, in the, the phone world, of course, every neighborhood's going to have different phone calls and different web pages. Sure. Uh, so fiber allowed you to break up systems in little pieces. Fiber also allowed you to connect head end to head end to head end to head end. So now New England could become one system and owned mm-hmm. by one company. Mm-hmm. Uh, there really weren't a lot of, but there were fewer uh, economies of scale when every single sort of 20-mile radius had to have its own satellite dish and head sure. end in yeah. the center. And so it allowed these systems to come together, and it also allowed them to break apart. So cool. So you had talked about being an AT&T broadband. Is that kind of the path that you took from telco to cable TV? Or No, what I did was uh, I went from the research lab. GTE and its infinite wisdom moved its transmission division from the Bay Area to Phoenix, Arizona. And the transmission division employed 100 engineers two of the 100 took the move the other 98 quit and went and got other jobs Holy immediately cow. Whoa. now what they were expecting and the two engineers had a combined three years of experience between <laughs> oh my goodness so they got desperate and they went into the research lab and said dave you're our transmission scientist expert you're now in charge of this division they gave me some line card people from the switching group. They gave me the support engineers in the manuf- in the factory that that manufactured the transmission gear, and they said, and "Go out hire you know 97, 98 <laughs> new people," and uh, and we did that. Uh, but that was into the trans into the manufacturing division, out of the research lab into manufacturing, and then a person I dealt with became the CEO of Scientific Atlanta. And he immediately called me and said, we've got transmission problems here, come. And I first, I spent a year at SATCOM uh, doing uh, satellite digital audio. So all the radio programs that you hear were distributed over satellite to the local radio stations. And uh, we made equipment that did that and and video conferencing and, and so forth over satellite. And then I switched into the uh, cable division, wound up becoming president uh, shortly thereafter. And then I was recruited by Continental Cable Vision. So I went from the manufacturing world to the operator world because I was looking to move back to Boston. Continental was in Boston. They had a need right when I sort of had a need. And, and so I shifted on that side. And then it's 
Continental Cablevision was bought by Media One CTO, was bought by AT&T Broadband CTO, was bought by Comcast CTO. And, you know, the joke for a long time was Dave can keep a job, he just can't keep a company. <laughs> um, and all that time, the fiber's getting better and better and broader sure. bandwidth. And, you know, now we're talking about three gigahertz wide for the extended uh, bandwidth uh, within the SCTE. And, um, you know, and I'm still, after having retired from Comcast now 15 years ago, I'm still very involved in, in the SCTE and the standards work here. When did you get started with SCTE? Like, you know, how long ago? Um, were, were you there at its founding? Did you, did you join later on? Uh, I, I wasn't at the founding, uh, but I've run the data standards subcommittee for more than 25 years. Wow. So I've set DOCSIS and packet cable, which is telephony, IP telephony uh, standards, you know, my group has for 25 years. Uh, and that's where I really worked you know, I was always at Scientific Atlanta. I was a member of SCTE, in fact, a contributing member or something. I, I always, you know, I, I always gave more. Uh, and it was a great way as a manufacturer, it was a great way to, to mix with your customers, discover what products they're thinking of standardizing on so you can now make it now so that when it finally becomes a standard in a year, you've got the product that, that meets that. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's... It's just a way. But, you know, a couple of times in this conference, we've heard that this industry is just different. And it's certainly different than the telephone world. I mean, I was in standards and telephony, research and telephony, manufactured products and telephony at big supercom and big telephone conferences. And it's just, it's not the same. It just isn't. Um, and the SCTE and, and Cable Labs are a couple of the places where Everyone from all walks of life <laughs> uh, can can man, you know mingle together. I mean, today we I presented the uh, Excellence in Standards Award to Andy Scott at the NCTA. He's been helping us set standards he for 35 years. Um, I've been setting those standards for 25 years, and uh, and I you know and so I've dealt with him for. Actually, 35 years because at Scientific Atlanta, I was I was involved, just not leading. Yeah, and you, so you talked about you know DOCSIS 3.0, DOCSIS 3.1. Are you? I mean, I'm sure you are. You're actively looking at and setting standards for DOCSIS 4.0. Can you talk a little bit about 4.0 and what? Um, just what can we expect? What? You know, sure. Anything you know. Um. So yes, we we at Cable Labs. And I headed the DOCSIS certification board that did DOCSIS 1.0, modified the standard, created the test programs, and manufacturers manufacture to the test program, not <laughs> to the spec necessarily. Oh, okay. uh, and so we created the test programs and set DOCSIS 1.0, 2.0, and then I moved, you know, the SCTE then takes the purchasing specifications and turns them into standards. And that means anyone can comment, anyone's welcome to come join uh, the data standards subcommittee. Uh, but mostly in DOCSIS, we would accept the work that was done by Cable Labs because they did a good job. Mm -hmm. uh, and we have accepted the DOCSIS 4.0 standard is now a, an SCTE and ANSI uh, standard. Um, 
oddly enough, for the first time, we created a working group zero within Data Standards Subcommittee, and we are working on modifying the DOCSIS 3.0 specification, because with 3.1, Cable Labs grandfathered 3.0, and there's some tweaks we wanted to make for some services to flow through the DOCSIS modems. There are enough 3.0 modems out there, we want to make that change. Uh, Cable Lab said, we've grandfathered it, and there's no process for ungrandfathering it. Sure. So we said, okay, we'll change it at the SCTE, and we'll you know, make sure that the websites all point to each other so no one's confused. Uh, so we're okay. doing that. But now within Data Standards Subcommittee, it's not just DOCSIS and Packet Cable. We're now doing Internet of Things, Artificial Intelligence Machine Learning, uh, Telemedicine, and... Uh, sort of not work at home, but, but life at home. Mm -hmm. uh, two variants of, of becoming old, you know, aging in place. Aging yeah. in place is one, and telemedicine is another. Um, All topics that are, you know, super super hot these days, right? Like, well, that's you know, it. I mean, and that's what you're doing. You're looking into the future to help set those standards. Yeah, that's, they, they that's went through be a period where, uh, what do we do with this? Ah, we'll give it to Dave. Dave will do anything. Uh, and, you know, of course, it's not me, but the, the groups that we assemble, the, the sure. vendors and the, uh, and the operators that, that are doing all this good work. But all of that stuff now is coming out of the data standards subcommittee. Very well. You're, Dave, you're a busy guy, John. If you got a uh, got last question, uh, last questions. Yeah, one last question, I guess. Uh, what is the thing that you're most excited about at this year's Expo? Well, it's... It's been clear to me for a while, but it's sort of becoming clear to everyone that what's going to happen at the physical layer is fiber into a neighborhood and then either fiber to the home, DOCSIS 4.0 to the home, or fixed wireless to the home. And as a customer, I'm hoping at least two of those show up <laughs> in my neighborhood, in my house. Uh, but we're better understanding as an industry the fiber to the home and the ONUs, the things you attach at the side of the house are becoming better and, and uh, more flexible. We've got DOCSIS 4.0 and a couple of variants of that uh, to allow multi-gigabit per second service, in some cases symmetric multi-gigabit per second service to the home. Uh, and then, you know, we'll always keep the fixed wireless guys trying to catch up like the ISDN uh, <laughs> Yep. Uh, broadband ISDN and DSL uh, people. Uh, so that combined with 10G, so sort of from the neighborhood back will be 10G. It will carry cell phone signals. It'll mm -hmm. carry some of those fixed wireless servers, even if they aren't cable services sure. to the home. We'll backhaul that. Right. And uh, that, you know, there's still a lot of life on that. One other twist was at this show, um, Tony Werner has sort of re retired, uh -huh. and Charlie Heron is taking over for him. So Dave Fellows, the original CTO, you know, stand, last standing CTO, Tony Werner and Charlie all managed to get together. And it became what Dave Fellows did was he laid the foundation, the, the infrastructure, the, the national fiber network, figured out how to put video onto IP, of course, voice on IP. And so now it's uh, all of the services going over these big 100 gigabit per second uh, pipes, which survived COVID, among other things. 
Uh, so I laid in the infrastructure. Tony Warner came in over the last 15 years. He's been CTO for 15 years. Uh, he layered the services on top of that. So the X1 box, the voice remote, the, the DTAs, uh, business services, uh, and, and so forth. Uh, and now Char Charlie Heron is coming in, and on my infrastructure, on Tony's uh, services, Charlie is the customer experience, yeah. which is sort of across services, and and that's the real bottom line. No one cares about my plumbing down <laughs> in the basement and 10 gigabit or 100 gigabit or whatever else. They care about the experience. And uh, next year, it will be 30 years since we launched high-speed data at Continental Cablevision. Wow. Uh, now part of Comcast. And... You know, it seems like just yesterday, and yet 30 years of internet uh, speed, it's amazing what we're doing with these with these networks. And so those, those uh, you know, the customer experience is, you know, it's built on those services, which is built on that foundation that you laid, right? So none of that can, none of that could have happened without, you know, kind of the work and the research that you did and laying that foundation. And it must be, for you, you must be immensely proud and also, you know, fascinating to to see where it, where it was and where it's come to. And it is. And, I mean, what I'm proud of is the team that I assembled. Mm -hmm. um, in an unfortunate choice of words, Steve Burke named the core team that did this the wise men. <laughs> and, you know, and so I'd show up in a meeting and with, with you know, these guys, and then Steve would go, oh, great, you brought the wise men today. All right, what, what should we be doing on the backbone? What should we be doing... Uh, at the, the provisioning layer. You know, there are all sure. sorts of software layers that, that sit on top of this infrastructure. And, of course, that first ticked off every female in my organization. <laughs> Secondly, ticked off every male who wasn't one of the wise men. <laughs> Want to be um, in the club. But it was these teams of people, many of which are still here with Comcast, that, that did all this work. And that is very satisfying. It's, you know, that's awesome. Here I am, 15 years retired, and I'm still coming <laughs> and active in the standards and active in the show and, and loving it. Can't get out of it. Well, don't don't want to get out of it. It says a lot about this industry and uh, you know the opportunities and the things that you've seen accomplished. And yeah, there's a lot of people that just stick around uh, for a long time in this game because it's pretty special. Actually, it's like you said earlier. It's it's, it's just different. It's different, and and there's a. It was the president, CEO of a Norwegian manufacturing company is trying to break into this industry. And so one of the things his advisors told him to do is sponsor the CTO dinner that we had last night. And of course, I went up and shook his hand and thanked him. And, and he looked at me and said, do you know how different this industry is? Do you have any idea? And I said, well, I don't know. He said, no, 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 no. You were the CTO of Comcast. <laughs> in any other industry, you'd have retired to your yacht and be yeah. cruising the Mediterranean, mm. and, and you'd have nothing to do with this. And yet, here you are back 15 years yeah. later, 15 years in a row, uh, as well. There's still work to be done. There's still this 10G work. There's DOCSIS 4.0. There's artificial intelligence, which is useful everywhere, from diagnosing uh, uh, network problems to helping customer service agents to uh, uh, targeting advertising. And, you know, and, 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 telemedicine. Sure. One of these days I'm going to be cooped up at home and I'm going to want a broadband <laughs> connection to my doctors and uh, little yeah. devices, sensors, uh, yeah, yeah. sensors attached to me in various places. And, you know, I'm still excited about doing that. And seeing all my friends. This, yeah. you know, after two years of being away, 
I didn't realize how much I missed everyone. Yeah, it's special to be back in the same room with everyone again. It certainly is. I think that's the number one thing people are saying, just how, how fantastic it is just to be back in person and just, just live, right, and, and yeah. interact with and people. You can, sure, Zoom. I Zoomed with everybody. Zoomed NCTE calls, Zoom plenary sessions. But here you accidentally walk into, oh, wait a minute, mm-hmm. Charlie, what are you doing here? Yeah. I'm doing that. What are you doing today? Where, where, where in there? Morgan from Cisco uh, uh, emceeing uh, part of the, the luncheon today. So, well, what do you, you know, what, oh, you're up there, you know. So everyone I knew 15 years ago are now up to, I call them my peers, except I'm, you know, again, I'm back down in the basement connecting broadband pipes together, <laughs> uh, but just having fun. Yeah, that's so, awesome. That's thank awesome. you, guys. Well, Dave, yeah, we really appreciate it. Thanks thank you for, for the time and uh, just just fascinating stuff. We it's, appreciate it. It's a great industry. It is. It absolutely is. Thank you.